This is Jennifer Pepito with the Restoration Home Podcast. This is the show where we talk about the peaceful path to connected families and restored communities. Today I'm talking to Emily Pepito about the principle of order. In our last conversation, we were really talking about what it is not, like it's not being overbearing or lacking humility or not being able to apologize or being bossy. But in this conversation, we want to talk a little bit about what it is. And we're going to talk about our morning routines, ideal evening routines. But I also just want to talk for a second about what it is, because I was early on in a culture where there was a very strong emphasis on honoring your husband, and maybe even a patriarchal culture. And there were some good things about that. Like, I appreciate that, you know, it taught us to have honor in our family, and it taught us to be kind to each other. But the bad thing is that it almost made out, I think that there was like, a bunch of Enneagram eight men who wrote this kind of content. And then they expected every family to fall into their model. And not every family is like that. And it, and it really inhibited, I feel, the gifts that are placed within us as people. Like, I know some people love and hate the Enneagram, and I'm not trying to box anybody in. But some of us have a personality that is more easygoing. And some of us have a personality that is more administrative. And and when Paul talks about the gifts, like, you know, he talks about some people have gifts of helps and administration and ministering and um, evangelism. So when he talks about the gifts, he doesn't say some women have gifts of helps and some men have gifts of administration. He doesn't say that only men have leadership gifts and only women have servant gifts. So I think it's really a mistake to box us in as humanity based on one verse, you know, wives honor your husbands, like one verse. And then all of a sudden the roles that women can take are so limited. And I know this could open a whole can of worms because there are people on the one side who, you know, wouldn't necessarily agree even in, like, say, if my husband and I disagree that he should have the final say. A lot of people wouldn't agree with that. On the other hand, there's a lot of people, you know, I know I know people who will not even make plans for family outings without their husband's permission. Maybe even you have to talk to the husband to make the plans. But I don't think one or the other is necessarily more godly. I think there's a lot of personality that comes into play. And thank God we're created in his image. All of us are created in his image. Not some of us, not certain types of people, but all of us. Which means that different kinds of people are welcome in the body of Christ. We don't all have to be exactly the same. So in your family, you know, the Bible says, submit yourselves one to another. It says, wise honor your husbands. There are verses that kind of give us some guidance, but that can look different in different families. So in our family, I try really hard to be nice to my husband. I try to look him in the face and say things like, I love you or thank you or, you know, just treat him like a friend and not like either a master or a servant. I think that's sometimes the role that some of us get into when we over emphasize or underemphasize this idea of order is we either start treating our husbands like servants, just bossing them around all the time and treating them like a, you know, a, a somebody who just does things for us or treating them like masters and not have any ideas, no vision, and just sort of waiting for them to tell us what to do. I don't think either is biblical. 
I don't think either is represented really in scripture. And so learning how to live in your gifts and work out your salvation with fear and trembling is important. What do you think about that whole monologue, Emily? No, I I agree. I think the (laughs) one thing is that the patriarchy, I think, for a long time has been upheld by women more than men. And so what if your husband doesn't want to be the one who does Bible time and does like the more managerial work? What if he's really good at like coming alongside and doing other things? And what if his, like, like what if he is a little more nurturing? And I see some of these families and I'm like, man, like this was a patriarchy upheld by a matriarchy. And it's just painful, like painful to look at, painful because nobody's happy. The man's not happy. The woman's not happy. The children aren't happy because the parents aren't happy. And so I think we get into these really narrow ideas of what, and this is more just responding to your patriarchy thing. Um, But I think that's a, a huge mistake to just assume that because you want your husband to be the boss, that you are either modeling a patriarchy or that you want a patriarchy. Because if you are asking your husband to be something that he is not naturally or pushing him to be in a place where he is not naturally healed to yet, then that's a matriarchy. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Like if we're the ones leading the ship, we're still the ones leading the ship. Yeah. If you tie him to the, the, if you tie him to the, the capstan, like if if you tie him to the wheel and you're like, you're tied to this wheel and you have to steer this ship. You're not going anywhere. Yeah, you, you're steering the ship. Like, it doesn't, you know. Yeah, and I love my mom actually had something good to say to me about this. Because sometimes I still feel like, oh, my husband has to, you know, train my boys in how to work. Or my husband has to set the schedule for the day. Or, you know, there are there are ways that there's partly a good motivation. Like, I want him to nurture my boys. But my mom said, you know, some of that, like if you want to pray with your kids every day, pray with your kids every day. If you want your children to go work in the yard every day, ask them to work in the yard every day. Like you don't, you don't necessarily have to wait for your husband to make up his mind about something or do it. On the other hand, I think the more we take over as women, the more work we have. I think that's true. But I think that like, and this is like a whole nother conversation, but the, a lot of times we assume that the man has to take initiative in all the areas that we care about. And it's like, he doesn't care about that because he is a man and men are different from women. And so you are asking him to step up and be a leader in areas that you are actually gifted to be a leader and you are not looking for ways to have him lead in the way that he's equipped to lead. And and I think one of the most beautiful aspects of a patriarchy is a is a husband who is caring for his wife. And a lot of the things that I see in like um a lot of the families that I'm more intimate with is that the women actually don't know how to equip their husbands to make them feel loved, cherished and protected. And, and I think that like, yes, the more, the more you do, so like you could say, oh, if I, um, if I'm like, if I'm the one saying to the boys, go out and do this yard work and I'm the one managing that, then therefore he won't do anything or I'll have to do more in the long run, blah, blah, blah. 
but it's not, it's not an either or that's not, that's not the only way out. And I think you could be like, I really care about how the yard looks. And so I'm actually going to go out there and do that. And it's not demeaning at all. All the world's greatest, many of the world's greatest chefs are men to turn to your husband and be like, Hey, would you make dinner tonight? And, and, or would you be in charge of dinner? Do you know what I mean? Or like, here's a grocery list. Would you get the groceries? Do you know what I mean? And just, and, and learning how to, learning just how to ask for things. And for some of us, I know that we maybe have fallen to a rut where our partners are like going to be a little bit startled by being requested to do things that weren't for, formally on their like radar of their jobs, but that's okay. It's just, you just let them say no sometimes and you, you're patient and you just kind of ask again and just kind of keep asking until they do it. And then you're thankful when they do it. But I don't think that we have to, yeah, I don't, I don't think that there's this version of the patriarchy where the man is the leader in all the ways that we see the details and we care. Right. And one of the things, you know, I talked to a friend recently who was feeling unhappy in her marriage and, you know, there were things that her husband was doing or not doing that she was unhappy about. But I feel like as women, so often we are waiting for our husbands to make us happy or to be good dads. And what about if we just do what makes us happy and makes us whole and pray that they'll come along? You know, there, there's, you know, obviously there are some marriages that can't be saved, but when you quit on a marriage because your husband's not being a good dad, you're still going to have to send your kids to be with them half the time. You know, they're still going to have an influence in their lives and probably they're going to be even less motivated to do the things that are important to you. But what if instead you get healing, you go to counseling, you go to the gym, you read the Bible to your kids, do the things that you think will make your family be a happier, holy home and love your husband in the process. Just try to be nice to him. I think it's so easy to have missed expectations, especially as homeschoolers, when you're reading about what a godly family looks like or how to be a, a happy home. And then you have a husband who's still drinking beer every night or who's, you know, out there in the garage working on his stuff while your kids are just wandering around. Like we can't force our husbands to be our version of a godly man. But what we can do is be a godly woman. We can control that. And I know, I know for you, seven of my children, there are times when I thought that I knew better and that my husband was more of a detriment to the family than an asset. But if I had left the marriage, if I'd said, you're not being a good dad and so I'm going to divorce you, you guys would have hated me. You would have hated my uh, values. I don't see that that would have made our family a better family. And in our family, sometimes my husband and I have more energy towards wonderful systems and order and reading the Bible together at night and leading all of you children. And sometimes we have less energy, but our unity, our friendship even, and our happiness means a lot more to you guys than being perfect. Definitely. And I think kind of segueing off of what you're saying about get your own, like get your own healing, make your, like, you know, do what it takes for you to live in that place of just like joy-filled delight in who you are, who God made you, and the life that you're living. And I actually think that order plays a huge role in this. And 
I come from a background where I swing between order sometimes feeling very imprisoning and very like claustrophobic. And if I'm like, if I have too much order in my life, then I'm going to have no freedom and I'm going to have to like do this thing exactly at six and this thing exactly at seven and my life is going to be totally boring. Um, but I think if we have areas in our lives where things aren't how we would want them, there's actually, I think this is an okay piece as long as we're continuing to bring it to God, but there's a lot of peace when in maybe uncertain circumstances or not quite perfect marriages, when we create an orderly routine that brings us joy. And part of that joy is just going to be actually the certainty of like, okay, in the morning I'm going to wake up and I'm going to do the pause up and I'm going to brush my teeth and I'm going to like (laughs) wash my face and make my bed because I'm worth taking care of. And maybe I'm going to do two minutes of yoga just to breathe and be aware of my own body and aware of my own, you know, aware of like aware of who I am. And I'm just going to spend some time praying and maybe I'm just going to get my cup of coffee and I'm going to drink it for just two minutes on the front porch and then I'm on to my day. And when we are able to create those kinds of habits and routines that are an ordered part of every day, the stability that brings is actually very, it's, it's um, cherishing. It's very cherishing to ourselves in a way that it's hard to explain if you haven't experienced it. And it's hard. Like it's very, very hard to create order. And a lot of times, like for me, like I wake up and I'm like exhausted. I'm like, I can't be bothered. I just, I just want five more minutes of sleep. And I'm going to like slide out of bed the minute before I have to go to wherever. Um, but like recognizing, like having gone through phases now where I had a lot more order in my life. I'm like, oh, this feeling of resistance to creating order is a lie. And the lie is that if I have, if I do these things, I'm, I'm missing out. Like I'm not, I'm not going to go into the details of what it is, but basically I'm like these emotions that are keeping me back from walking in, from having an orderly morning, from having an orderly evening, from going to bed at an orderly time, they're, they're actually broken areas in my life. They aren't true. They aren't valid and they should not be dictating how I'm living. Um, and then the other thing I was going to say about order is that it is, it also gives us the space and the freedom then to go do other things. And so if you are always like waking up and and kind of always running a little bit behind time and never really getting those those moments of breathing, then it's going to be harder to like have the the freedom actually to be like, okay, because my day was ordered, I now have an afternoon where even though things aren't quite right, we're just going to go sit by the river and there's nothing's going to be lost because I had the discipline and the order to do things that I needed to do when I needed to do them. And so now I have this afternoon free. Um, and I just think that I, yeah, I think, I think that order is far more beautiful than we usually experience or understand. Yeah. And, you know, in the peaceful loop right now, our membership group for moms who want to build better habits and who are trying to parent preschools and the preschoolers in the mix, we are doing three different habits every month because 
we build on good habits. Like when we get in the habit of doing morning time every morning or having quiet time every morning, then we can add a new habit like exercising every day or drinking enough water. You know, this month, one of our habits actually in June is just face-to-face conversation with our husband because it is almost a habit to even be in good relationships, to have a connected family takes habits and rituals. That's one of the reasons we also do the 10-day connection challenge, because when you take time every day to look your kids in the eyes and read a story and play outside, these little rituals, these little habits build a connected family. This is also why I use the Peaceful Press Planner, because I can't just meander through my days and expect to have good relationships, because disorder in our days fractures relationships. You know, if we don't have a good habit on room care, then we start to get frazzled because we can't find things. Or if our children don't have good habits on putting their clothes away, then there's no laundry and we have to go to co-op and we get angry because the laundry's not done. So having no order creates disconnection. And this is why it's so important to, you know, use the peaceful press planner and start tracking your habits or download um, the connection challenge or join the peaceful loop. The peaceful loop is such a good tool right now for connecting with other moms who are also working at building those strategic habits for a life that brings connection and restoration. Yeah, definitely. I (laughs) totally agree with you. I just realized I say definitely quite a lot, but I mean, what else can I say when it's just so right? And I think the, um, the beauty of order is that it's just like, like God is a God of order and we see that around us. And so I think the other way that you can look at it, if you're kind of fighting to get back into a place of like having some rhythm and some order and routine is that that act of creating is actually an act of worship of a very orderly God. Um, and, and using that as an inspiration, sort of a, a stepping stone into creating just those two minute, 1% changes that are bringing you back into a place of, um, rest in your rhythms. Yeah, that's so good. I, I just started a, you know, two minute morning routine where it's two minutes of prayer, two minutes of reading the Bible and two minutes of exercise. And I'm doing more than that, but the concept is if you at least do two minutes of each of those, then you start to build more on top. But if you say, oh, I didn't do enough, so I'm not going to do any, that's when those habits get ruined. So I love that you mentioned the 1% rule because it's just a little bit every day creates a faithful life. And in those habits of order, there's so much joy and peace and rest. Thanks for joining me today, Emily, to talk about habits of order. I'm excited for families to be able to go to the show notes and download the connection challenge, grab the peaceful press planner, join the peaceful loop. Those three tools can really help you start to build a more joyful, peaceful home so that we can go beyond just having connected families and begin to restore our communities. 